experimenting with the soft opening thing by the way uh <laughs> i don't know how i don't know how well it's gonna go all, all the time but uh i think it sounds a little bit better how are you doing i'm good do you, do you usually do a hard opening yeah yeah yeah. we usually do like um like i read a whole introduction and like i make a big to do uh and i've stopped doing that because i've noticed that like most of the podcasts i listen to don't do that and, you know, the other thing is like now is twice in a row that i've mentioned the fact that we're doing it slower and softer in the opening of the podcasts on the podcasts so i can't do like this is the last time i could get away with lampshading it <laughs> um so <laughs> thank you for being here for that uh talk about landlords uh in the shitty things they're doing with me today um Anytime. So you filed something. I was wondering if I could ask you about this because we're, we're going to be talking about mostly Rhino and security deposits and like an, a, a new fun way that uh, a new company comes in and kind of becomes a new middleman and screws people over. But before we get to that, you published something today that I only got a chance to glance at, but I think is kind of connected to what we're talking about here. And I wondered if I could ask you about it. Uh, uh, the real page story that you guys just published. Yeah. What's, what's going on here? Um, I mean, this is basically, um, you know, about a year ago, ProPublica had an investigation into a company, uh, called real page that had a software called yield star. That was, um, essentially for all its clients who were landlords, it was, um, basically setting the rent for all of uh, the units that those clients uh, had using its own uh, proprietary algorithm. And uh, the, you know, after that investigation, uh, a few things happened. There were lawsuits all over the country. There were, I think like 20 lawsuits just for like that company real page that all got consolidated into one big, uh, lawsuit in a federal district court. Um, and that all those lawsuits were moved, were consolidated into one lawsuit in Tennessee. Um, and there was another company called Yardy that was doing pretty much the same exact thing, um, with, um, having rent setting software where, um, you know, all their clients were basically accepting recommendations on rent based on this algorithm. Um, and so I guess I should just back up and say like the, the issue with that is, um, essentially like all these, um, landlords, like in theory and like a, in a normal market, I guess is they should all be competitors. But when you have one company setting the rent for all these landlords who work for them, and if there's like millions of units that they handle, um, they're essentially eliminating competition. They're operating as, um, a cartel and they're violating uh federal law um if that can be proven in court so there's all these class actions and then the doj is investigating um both companies yardy and real page and they're uh i guess the newest bit of information on this whole story because the lawsuits were filed a year ago consolidated uh april of this year um but we're getting to the point where like the hearings are going to start in like november and last week the doj basically filed um a request for comment um and they will decide in the next few weeks whether they're submitting a statement of interest 
um, which would basically like formally um, declare that they're going to uh, be involved in the hearing, that they're going to they're going to weigh in and uh, provide their uh, analysis uh, during the class action hearing against uh, RealPage. Um, so that's that's the story there. So th- I see this kind of theme developing basically in everything I, I read about uh, how screwed real estate is, how screwed renting is, where people are people, landlords, people that own the property investment groups are kind of finding third party middlemen to uh, kind of create abstractions uh, and defer responsibility. It's like, well, we're not raising your rent. Uh, it's the service we use called RealPage that is algorithmically adjusting things. Um, and that also, I think, goes to the main story that we're going to be talking about today, which is about a company called Rhino, and there's other companies as well, uh, that is all about security deposits and a new middleman coming in um, and lovingly temptingly offering renters something that looks like a good deal on the surface, uh, but is actually a terrible trap. Uh, is what it seems like to me. Um, and I'm curious at the top, what's the biggest security deposit that you've ever paid? Um, I mean, I think in New York city, there's laws where it can only be one month's, um, rent, uh, because I've never paid a security deposit that was beyond uh, my one month's rent. So, um, you know, I pay paying like $920 for my current apartment. And that's probably the highest rent I've paid. Fortunately for New York, that's pretty low, but um, yeah. So that's, that's, you know, fortunately it has not gone above uh, one month's rent for me. Um, but it's still pretty, you know, it's annoying to have to scrounge up that money whenever you're moving, which I think is, uh, one of the reasons that, uh, these kinds of companies have kind of sprouted up and intervened, um, arguably in a predatory way to, uh, quote unquote, solve that problem. Yeah. So, uh, I'm no longer renting, thank God, but it is new. Most of my life, like most of my adult life, I rented. Um, And the cycle is basically thus, like you get a place, um, it's reasonable, you move in, you pay an enormous security deposit, you leave. If you're lucky, maybe you get, usually I don't, I wouldn't get anything back. It's not like I trash the place. It's usually just, they would contrive a way to like make sure that I didn't get that money, right? Um, you're, you move every year or two years because the place that you're in knows that they want knows that you want to stay there and don't want to move. Stay so hike. They hike the rent up, uh, in an annoying way. And I have, you have to find something else. Um, that's what it was like in North Texas anyway. Uh, so you're moving every couple of years and you're constantly paying these security deposits that are all usually around a month's rent. If you're lucky, sometimes they get a little wild. Um, and usually that's like, it's really hard to come up with two months rent when you're moving into pl- someplace and also absorbing the costs of, you know, moving, uh, which can be in terms of like money and like your own personal time and labor, pretty exhausting. It sucks. Moving is awful. I don't think anyone likes to do it. So enter in Rhino, uh, and there's other companies as well, and we can talk about them. Uh, what do they offer to the potential uh, to the potential renter. Um, so Rhino um, offers, you know, technically the service is um, for the landlord, even though the renter is paying it. But basically the Rhino uh, offers the option uh, of uh, paying a monthly fee that's non-refundable that the a landlord accepts in lieu of a security deposit. Um, and uh, the product is essentially an insurance for the landlord that insures the landlord against uh, 
um, any damage to the apartment. Um, and it does not uh, insure the tenant. So if there is damage to the apartment and uh, the landlord uh, files a claim with Rhino, um, Rhino essentially has the option to not only uh, pay out that claim, but they can um, basically submit uh, bills to the renter after they move out to say, "Hey, you gotta you gotta pay this now," even though this was an insurance for the landlord. Um, and um, right, but yeah. the but the sell when you move in is like you can't afford nine hundred dollars for your security deposit. Why don't you just give us three dollars a month for the entire time that you're in the lease, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the pitch, and that's certainly how it's presented. Um, how Rhino has presented itself, I I cannot find any evidence, and based on my conversations with renters, it seems unlikely that the vast majority of people who use the service are paying anywhere near three, four, five dollars. It like logically doesn't really make sense. And like I had, I've requested Rhino for data. You know, we've, I've been reaching out to them for months and have, they've basically not, um, they have not responded once. Um, but when you think about it, it's like, so um, in order for them to, or the way that they determine like how much you pay is like based on your quote unquote, like risk as a, as a renter, um, you know, which is going to factor in all these things. Like if you pay, if you make less money, um, if you, um, you know, bad credit, if you have had bankruptcies in the past, like all this stuff. And then like other things that we don't know about because they've never made their formula public. Um, but it, it stands to reason that if you are opting to pay a low, um, if you're opting to pay a fee instead of a refundable security deposit, um, you're making that decision because, um, you're probably not super affluent, right? Like if you don't have the upfront cost to pay a refundable security deposit, um, you're probably not going to be in the like lowest risk tier according to rhino's system so like the the likelihood that people that most people are paying three or four dollars is very low i think i you know i talked to a lot of people for this story and i think i only talked to one person um who did have a pretty steady job who was paying like really low you know like a five dollar a month um fee and they still were having issues um with Rhino, but it, it, it seems like the amount that they keep saying, like, oh, you only have to pay like two, like three dollars, five dollars. Like, it, there's not really any evidence that Rhino has produced that that's like, that's like around the average of what people are paying. And they have, uh, you pulled from presentations, right? You were able to see some sort of uh, internal presentation where they say, like, the people that are paying three or four dollars are actually the people that. Um, we run their credit and their background through a system. They've got a steady job. We know that they could probably pay more, uh, but you know, it's easier. Like you just give them the three or four bucks, uh, charge. It's actually the people they target the people that with, with financial difficulties to pay more. Correct. Yeah. It's not that Rhino specifically is targeting those people per se. Um, it's, you know, it's, I would, you know, it, it seems likely based on, um, how they've, they've set up their system that there's probably more people in that, um, riskier tier than there are kind of like, uh, people in the low risk tier. Um, but it's Rhino isn't specifically targeting anyone. They're basically, um, you know, they have agreements with large corporate um, landlords to offer the service. And then they're also trying to get bills passed across the country that would mandate um, a similar service to Rhino. But since they're the biggest 
uh, company doing this on the market. Um, that would usually mean Rhino. Um, and they're, they're basically just trying to get landlords to offer the service. Now, the landlords on their end, they sometimes are um, selectively deciding um who has to use the service, even though, you know, Rhino has like a form or they have like a legal disclaimer that you have to fill out if you sign up for the service saying like, I am doing this willingly and I'm not forced into it. Um, but, you know, in some cases, uh, the landlords have been saying like, no, you have to sign up for the service um, because, you know, whatever your credit, uh, we did a credit check and like you, you're not, um eligible for a security deposit which you know probably in different states the the legality of that would be different um but it's um yeah it's it's the landlords mainly deciding it and um and the other thing that the landlords can do is um you know they can set their security deposits higher for clients that or for um, tenants that they consider high risk. Um, because in some states, you know, there aren't, there aren't laws in every state regulating how high a security deposit can be. Um, so because Rhino uses the security deposit um, amount that has been set as the landlord when they, when they, um, calculate, you know, how much the landlord is being insured for. And when they calculate the, the monthly, um, the monthly fee that renters have to cost, uh, have to pay. Um, basically the landlord can, you know, they can say, okay, this tenant who I think is high risk is going to have to pay four months security deposit. And then because they can't, because no one's going to be able to afford a, a four month security deposit where the vast majority of people and certainly low income people are not going to be able to afford a, a four month security deposit. They are essentially forced into um, using Rhino. So I think it's like, it's sort of like Rhino is like billing this as a product to landlords and landlords are um, kind of making the determinations about who has to use the service and it's, it's legally murky as to whether they are able to do that. Like none of the, um, the renter's choice bills that are kind of being presented clearly, uh, set out that the, that, um, that landlords aren't allowed to, uh, force people into Rhino. What is the advantage to the landlord to do this? Um, the advantage to the landlord is um, so one thing is in addition to um, being able to bill Rhino for the damages um, when when the unit is insured, um, they uh, Rhino also pays for um, months in which the tenant uh, can't pay rent up to a certain amount, um, up to the amount that's insured. Um, so, you know, whereas like a regular security deposit, um, I don't know that it necessarily can be used to pay, um, you know, arrears in rent. Um, I think that, uh, Rhino's product can be used, uh, to, to pay, like just when, when a tenant is a little bit behind one or two months, um, up to the amount that the, the, uh, that they've been, the landlord's been insured for, which is determined by the security deposit that they set. Um, so I think it's like, it can be quicker and easier for them. And, you know, while, as you said, a lot of people don't get their security deposits back. I think that because there are laws around security deposits, it's a little harder for landlords to be like, um, you know, we're not giving you back the security deposit. We're withholding X amount. I mean, sometimes they get away with it just because there aren't, um, you know, tenants are 
way less likely to have lawyers than landlords. So landlords can kind of, um, even if there are regulations in their state about um, the circumstances in which you can withhold um, a security deposit from a tenant, um, sometimes landlords can kind of roll over those laws. Um, but there aren't really similar regulations for rhino. So, you know, it's, it's less, um, I guess, annoying for the landlords if they want to get paid for some damages to the apartment because they don't have to be like, well, can I legally, um, withhold, uh, this deposit based on, you know, this, you know, the door is broken or something or something or some damage to the apartment that isn't necessarily the tenant's fault. Um, whereas like uh, Rhino is just like, because it's kind of, um, I would say unregulated, there's not, uh, there's less of like a, a, a kind of legal, uh, risk for, um, the landlord. And it's less bureaucratically annoying for them because a lot of states, you have to take a security deposit and you have to put it into an interest bearing account. Um, and, you know, tenants can, uh, you know, cite that law and, and make sure that it has been put in a, um, interest bearing account, even though most often, uh, we do not, but I, I guess it's just, you know, it's overall just like less annoying for, um, landlords to, to use this, uh, kind of insurance service that renters are paying for. Right. If something goes wrong in the apartment and you've got to recoup costs, you don't under this system, if you're the landlord, you don't have to, uh, if you're in a tightly controlled market, go through the legal system, sometimes literally go through the courts to try to force a renter to pay something. You've got a nice, lovely company that's between you and them that you can get the money out of, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like you said, it's kind of a middleman. Um, and if you're a landlord, you, you want like, I mean, this is kind of the trend with landlords is they want to do as little, um, direct landlording as possible. So you have like third party property managers, third party, uh, security deposit insurance, like everything's kind of third party. Cause it's like easier to just be like, sign this, pay this fee. These people will handle it. Um, so I think that's definitely part of the appeal. It takes some of the responsibility off of you, right? Something goes wrong. You can point to the company. It's not my fault. Um, they screwed up. We have to deal with them. I'm, I'm as, I'm, I'm as screwed over by this situation as you are, dear renter, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. All right. Cyber listeners, we're going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back, cyber listeners. We're back on talking about Rhino. So another thing that happens with this company is that uh, it sure seems like whatever you start paying at the beginning of your time with them may not be what you end up paying uh, a couple months into your lease. Right. Yeah. I mean, like over the course of the lease term, it, it doesn't change. I think the issue is that like when people renew their leases, um, Rhino can change the policy amount at that point. Um, so like after a year, you sign a lease renewal and Rhino says, uh, we looked at all your info and now your costs are $30 more. And if you say, well, why are they $30 more? They'll just kind of give you a vague statement that like, you know, we have our own system and reevaluated your um, credit accounts or like your, your full financial picture. And 
we, you know, based on that, determine that your amount is higher um, and there's no way to appeal, um, which is, you know, pretty uh, frustrating, as you can imagine. Um, and I think puts uh, Rhino in kind of like a, in a, I don't want to, I don't want to say like a, a, a kind of gray area, but it kind of like bypasses some of the credit protections that um, renters would have if their um, if the determination was made only based on credit reports, um, because federal law says that like renters or not just renters, all consumers um, have the right to request their credit report and to appeal and contest anything that looks um, or that they think is, you know, incorrect on their credit report. Um, whereas consumers and renters can't like appeal something that's in a proprietary algorithm that they don't have access to, that they don't know anything about. And, and Rhino, you know, while they've kind of said like, you know, they've listed a few things that go into the, their algorithm, they have not really ever provided a full picture of what goes into the algorithm. And it's entirely possible there's things beyond just, um, you know, personal finances, you know, that it, it could be, um, you know, location, it could be neighborhood, it could be things that the renter doesn't really have uh, control over. Um, I don't know. If, uh, if, if anyone from Rhino is uh, listening to this, please, um, get in touch and tell me because like, we really don't know, um, you know, the full picture of how they're making these uh, determinations. And the renters also have no idea. And much like you just can't get anybody on the phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like the really weird thing about Rhino. Like it, it, in addition to all this stuff. Um, at some point, I think early this year, um, something, something appears to have been going like a little bit haywire at Rhino because they, as, as a matter of policy, they just stopped doing phone calls. Like they don't do phone calls with, um, anyone. And the, the reason I can say as a matter of policy is because, well, first of all, everyone I talked to told me the same thing. There's no way to talk to anyone on the phone. If you, they have a phone number. If you call it, it says, please go on our website. If you go on the website, there's like a, you know, a chat bot that's supposed to like, um, respond to your queries. The, the, the chat bot doesn't really answer any specific questions you have. Um, at best, it lets you file a support ticket. Um, but there's no way to talk to anyone on the phone. Um, I, in an attempt to get someone on the phone, filed a support ticket and just said, I would like to talk to someone on the phone. And oh, I got a response that said, we do not do phone calls. And that response is the only communication I've ever had from Rhino. Um, but what if you're a landlord? Yeah. The landlords also can't talk to them on the phone. It's really weird. Like they're, The landlords have not been able to talk to anyone on the phone um, with Rhino. At some point, they could. At some point, renters, I think like last year, some renters told me like they were able to talk to people on the phone. They had customer service people who could talk to them on the phone. At some point this year, Rhino stopped um, doing phone calls altogether. Like they just refused to do them. And so everything is through these like um, through their website. Um, and the only way to get any kind of communication is to like file a support ticket. Um, and it's not even clear that at first that you can file a support ticket. So you have to like know that you can file a support ticket and type in, I would like to file a support ticket. Um, but, um, yeah, it's wild. Like they, they just all together are, are not doing phone calls. Um, either, you know, they're, I would guess, you know, either there were, because there were some layoffs at Rhino earlier this year. Um, And maybe it's connected to that, or maybe it's just because a a lot of the renters are very angry and confused about the service. um, Because 
you know, everyone I spoke to seemed unhappy with it. Um, I, it's possible there's people out there who like the service who I just wasn't able to talk to, but it seemed pretty across the board that people are confused and disgruntled about the service. But yeah, there's, there's no way to talk to someone. But the landlords are the real clients here, I think, right? Like the, they're the, they're the ones that are actually like, uh, I'm going to use a characterization here, uh, that is mine, I will say, but it sure sounds like this service is actually for landlords and for Rhino to make money off of, um, and for, and to ease the burden of not the burden to ease, uh, uh, the landlord's life. Um, and they're just extracting value from, uh, renters. And if the landlords can't get them on the phone either, that sounds like that's going to be a problem because the land, like you're tricking, I would say renters into taking to, to, to getting in on the service, not kind of explaining what they're getting involved in. And you're, you have to deal with the landlords at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. You have to deal with the landlords, but yeah, I've heard of definitely several, cases where like a renter went to their landlord and was like, help me out with this rhino thing. I can't get anyone on the phone. And the rhino and the, uh, the landlord is essentially like, I also have never talked to anyone on the phone there and I have tried to, and no one's ever talked to me on the phone there. Um, so yeah, I think from a customer service, uh, standpoint, it's, it, it doesn't seem like it's sustainable. Um, but, you know, maybe there are, and, and certainly if you're a landlord who's used uh, Rhino, please reach out. And um, I'd certainly love to know more about your communication with them. But, um, yeah, it seems like there's been kind of across the board difficulty in, in, in getting in touch with them. Um, and people, you know, they do everything online. You sign up for it online. Um, you tell the renter about it online. You um you know everything is handled through rhino's website um so yeah a lot of landlords have they're aware of the service someone else told them about the service um you know maybe the property manager they work with told them about the service but they never had to like actually communicate with anyone uh at rhino but yeah, if anyone has ever talked to them on the phone, including landlords or property managers, please uh, get in touch. I would love to know how that went. Uh, one of the, the other things that was sh- maybe not shocking, uh, but took me aback a little bit, is that if you're a renter, you pay into you pay in every month, right? Um, and normally, under normally, what you do is you you give your nine hundred, you give your twelve hundred dollars a month, your you know, or your uh, your security deposit up front, um, and there's an expectation on the back end that you'll get something of that back. Uh, Rhino, it's not coming back. Like that's just part of the deal is that there is no security deposit refund on the back. It is a fee that you are paying every month, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not a security deposit. It is literally just a fee um and the fee is essentially insurance for the landlord you're paying a monthly fee to insure your landlord um and not only do you not get any of that back um you may have to owe more money at the end because rhino can come to you and bill you for damages to the apartment even though you've been paying um a monthly fee that's non-refundable um, yeah, you talk to people that have still that are still dealing with Rhino bills years after they left apartments that had that they were using Rhino in, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the the other issue with Rhino, where you know I said it seemed like something went haywire, but like there there seems to be a, a really common theme of like people keep getting charged for Rhino, even after they left the apartment, even after they tried to cancel the service, um, even uh, if they're, they switch to a different property manager and that property manager doesn't use Rhino, like all these situations where it seems like the service should just stop where Rhino keeps charging them. Um, And yeah, in one case it was, you know, someone moved to a different state and then Rhino 
was still charging them for an apartment they moved out of um, in, you know, I, I think it was Texas. Um, and they were still getting charged for that um, apartment um, and attempts to, to get those, uh, to get that refunded or, or, or to, you know, stop those payments were not, um, you know, they weren't really, uh, getting responses from Rhino. They just keep getting bills and the bills got sent to collection and, um, yeah, just just like a, there seems to be something about the company that's like sort of on autopilot right now, where they're just kind of billing people, uh, maybe hoping they won't notice, and then like when they do notice, it seems like they're kind of difficult to to talk to, and you know, no one talks on the phone, and then you're just sort of like communicating over you know through these support tickets and getting terse and confusing or contradictory responses. Where did this thing come from? Who who is responsible for this? Um, yeah, so it was founded in 2016 um, by. Let me just like re-remember his name because um, it was founded by two uh, dudes. Let me see. Oh, Ankur Jain, um, and. Um, there was another co-founder, but yeah, Anker Jane is, um, I guess what kids would call a Nepo baby. Um, his dad is a billionaire, um, uh, founder of like a large, uh, technology company. Um, and, um, Jane had, uh, founded his own kind of like venture capital firm called Kairos, which, um, intended to, I guess, provide funding for, you know, benevolent, good startups that would make the world a better place. You know, as, as a motherboard employee, I'm sure you've heard this like many, many times. Uh, oh, we've got yeah. another effective altruism thing going on here. That's the vibe. That's the vibe. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe. Um, that always, so that always pans out super well. Definitely a good track record for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he founded uh, this company in in 2016, um, and you know has been. It, there was initially a lot of good press about uh, Rhino. Um, I think if you Google Rhino, you'll mostly see good press um, because uh, yeah, they kind of build it as like the solution to um, you know high security deposits, and they kind of like pitched it to like elected officials across the country as like, here's a way to get, you know, um, low income people into apartments, you know, like we're removing barriers. And I think the most puzzling thing that they keep saying over and over is again about security deposits is like, there's billions of dollars that are just kind of like stuck here floating in, in these, um, accounts and, and they're not in the economy. Whereas like, you know, Rhino will, put all that money back into the economy. Um, whereas like, you know, that, that obviously doesn't really make sense because like the security deposits are supposed to be in interest bearing accounts and they're supposed to be refunded uh, to tenants. And um, the money that's supposed to supposedly like back in the economy is just like money that's going to Rhino um, in terms of like fees. Um and yeah, but they've, they're, you know, a, a company um, that uh, has like very heavily billed itself as altruistic, as social justice oriented, as, um, you know, helping poor renters, solving the housing crisis, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so. 20, 2019 New York Times. Uh, what if you could rent an apartment without a security deposit? Startups are disrupting the practice of shelling out thousands of dollars to rent a home. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a decent amount of that. Another one caught my eye, um, which I think is also an important part of this that we talked just about a little bit. So it's a from a local in Florida bill to allow landlords to change mo- charge monthly fee instead of security deposit heads to Governor DeSantis. Uh, Rhino changing laws as well. What's going on here? Yeah, Rhino has a lobbying team, and 
they um they call it renters choice legislation um they've gotten laws passed in uh Atlanta and Cincinnati. Um, they briefly had a law almost passed in Baltimore, um, but the mayor of Baltimore vetoed it in response to um, outcry from tenant activists who um, actually, you know, looked at the fine print and saw that this was not something benefiting um renters uh even though you know some of the city council members were really adamant that it that it was a um that it was really a boom to renters and were basically passing along the um the lobbying kind of talking points from rhino um but yeah rhino has a lobbying arm they have a website that's i think just like renterschoice.com um where they call it like a the renter's choice movement. Um, and it's, you know, kind of like an Afro turfed astro turfed thing, um, where they, uh, kind of, you know, suggest that it's like some great movement to help renters across the country. Um, yeah, it's really funny. I keep finding more, just like you said, as I'm looking around, like insurance tech firm aims to downsize DFW's rental security deposit business. Roughly $625 million of uh, renter security deposits is currently tied up in the city of Dallas alone, uh, making it sound as if, uh, you know, these terrible landlords, that are, they, they're, they're taking all these security deposits and they're just sitting on them and they're not moving around. Uh, every story I see, except stuff like in the past couple months that's been more critical, is about how this new startup is coming in and disrupting this business, and it's it's going to free up a bunch of money for renters. Uh, and that is not at all what has happened, it seems. No, it's definitely not freeing up money for renters. I mean, in theory, if you were – if it was a really low monthly payment um, – you know, maybe uh, it would be, you know, in the short term, um, easier to 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 pay it um, than a than a large, um, you know, lump sum payment. But it's like it's still non-refundable. And I think there's two things. One is that, like, like you said earlier, a lot of people don't get their security deposits back. And some renters I talked to were basically like. Well, you know, it sucks that I have to pay $50 a month, but um, I, if I paid a security deposit, it's not like I would get that back because, like, none of my friends ever get their security deposits back. Now, um, the the response to people not getting their security deposits back should probably be either funding more uh, pro bono attorneys or um, – creating a fund for low-income tenants to to have their security deposits paid. It could be banning security deposits. Um, They're not necessary. There's no reason logically why um, we should just sort of like accept that they're, you know, a a part of uh, doing business for renters. Um, You know, the wear and tear on an apartment that's uh, that uh, is owned by a landlord um, in the long run, the, the the status and the quality of the apartment that, you know, if if apartment improvements are being made, that goes to equity for the landlord who owns the building. So the idea that um, renters should be subsidizing repairs um, to normal wear and tear for the apartment, I don't think we should necessarily take that as a given. So there's, you know a range of different policy responses that you can make for um, um, renters having these large security deposits and not getting them back. Right. And you can make more stringent um, laws um, so that, you know, there's more penalties if renters don't get their uh, deposits back and et cetera. Um, But Rhino kind of like fills in, you know, they, they kind of like interject there and they say, um well no it's easier if they just like pay us you know like this fee and then we'll provide this kind of like weird insurance product um 
And then I guess on the statement about like, you know, the, the money's just like tied up. It's, it's tied up. Like, I like, that's just like not how money works, I guess. <laughs> like, first of all, like when you have money in like an interest bearing account, like the, the reason you're getting interest is because the money's not being tied up. Somebody's using the money, <laughs> like, like literally someone's using the money or like you wouldn't be getting interest. Um, so no, it's not tied up when it's in an interest bearing account. Uh, and you know, we don't say to like, you know, people across the country who have savings accounts, like, well, you know, all these people have money tied up in savings accounts. Like, what if we could put that back in the economy, you know, by, us taking their savings accounts like it doesn't really make any sense um so yeah the language about like the 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 um deposits being tied up it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think about it um for like three seconds but yeah that's been like their main talking point the the thing that one of the things that sucks about this so much i really felt this quote at the end of uh, somebody that's been dealing with f- monthly fees from Rhino, even though they haven't lived in the apartment for a long time. Uh, and it goes directly to what you're talking about right now. Quote, I'm pretty sure I paid that fee to them directly months ago, but I don't really care to fight it anymore. Um, if you're the, if you're a renter and I have been in this position with security deposits before, uh, where you, I politely ask, and they're just like, well, no. And like, I don't, I don't have any resources to fight and get it back, even though I know that I should get the security deposit back. And now you've got like, it's not even a landlord. This, this, this person that you ostensibly have some sort of personal relationship with. It's like a company somewhere else that you can't raise on the phone. Um, and usually it's easier to just not to just pay it and just move on with your life. Right. And that's how, a company like, and it sucks, but that's part of how a company that just sits in the middle and just sucks up fees and doesn't, nobody talk to them on the phone, how it continues. And we'll just keep rolling along. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really rough. You know, if you're someone who's already worried about your credit um, to have like a company that you can't even talk to on the phone, um, sending bills to collections for things that you feel like you shouldn't uh, pay for and, and for something that you feel like you shouldn't have had to pay for to begin with. You know, like there's a term poverty tax that is used um, a lot by, you know, uh, policy folks that just refers to all the kind of like fees and, and extra payments and things that poor people have to pay that, um, you know, people with more means don't have to pay, you know, it's like your, um, you know, checking account overdraft, you, you have to pay a fee, you know, like, why do you have to pay a fee, uh, for not having money? Like it, it's, it's just like a poverty tax. Um, and, you know, payday loans, like that, that sort of thing where like, if you need, um, if you need something, quickly because it is going to like um keep you healthy and alive um like an apartment you're going to pay um higher fees higher interest you're 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 you'll pay whatever you're forced to pay um and i think there's also been like some like research by like matthew desmond and others bought that like you know in bad neighborhoods people are paying rents that are comparable to uh, rents in uh, quote unquote good neighborhoods. And it's like, well, why are they doing that? Well, essentially they're getting an extra fee for the risk that they present based on the landlord's perception that they're, you know, living in this neighborhood and therefore, you know, more at risk of, you know, not paying the rent or, or damaging the apartment or whatever. So um, I think one way to um, look at this is definitely at like a type of poverty tax. Like it's, you're generally only going to be using this service if you don't have the money um, up front. And um, if you are a more quote unquote risky renter, you're going to be paying like way more exorbitant costs for the service. Um, and then if, um, you know, Rhino overcharges or makes things really uh, difficult for you or does something wrong, you're going to be more concerned about it hitting your credit if you already have, um, 
you know, issues with your credit and you've been trying to get it up. So it really, um, I think one renter put it like it kind of holds them over a boiling pot. Like they don't have a choice to, but to pay it. And then when they try to communicate with Rhino about it, like they're, they don't really get a response. Um, and for me personally, when I've had problems with companies overcharging me or doing, doing something that I don't like, like, yeah, I'll, you know, writing an email is nice, but like when you talk to people over the phone, like they get more like intimidated hearing people over the phone for some reason. So I think eliminating their phone calls when so many people are having issues with the service is like another big problem. Well, we need to get out of here and go, uh, go to this meeting, sir. Thank you so much for coming on to cyber and walking us through this. Uh, what is the title? One of the stories is, Oh, I've got it right here. How landlord tech is squeezing renters who can't afford security deposits. It's on motherboard. Check it out. And, uh, the next fucked up thing that landlords are doing, I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. That's all for this week's cyber listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are going to be back on Twitch next week at twitch.tv forward slash vice 11 a.m. Eastern time on Friday. Emily's going to be back. We're talking about all the weird and wild things that are going on on the internet. We're also going to have uh, Kashmir Hill on to talk about their book, Your Face Belongs to Us. Uh, All about Clearview and facial recognition and why you should be worried about all those cameras that are out there taking pictures of your face. They even have a special guest on to, uh, to discuss. Looking forward to it. We will be back next week. Stay safe out there. Internet's getting wilder, more frightening every day. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.